0: now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome,
1: everybody. Okay, today we're talking about the law of attractiveness. It is amazing, but, you, you know, you, you probably have a pretty good idea about what you're attracted to, hair color, eye color, height, smell, smells, whatever. But believe it or not, you know, your subconscious has quite a very strong opinion when it comes to finding what others are, 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 are attractive. From the depths of of our human brain, there's a whole lot of of areas to examine about the law of attractiveness. You know, here's a a presumption. You know, women with older fathers, it's presumed that they're attracted to older men. And as it turns out, the common stereotype that women are attracted to older men because they have an underlying daddy issues is not totally true. There's a lot of studies that have found that women Who were born to older fathers are more likely to find older men attractive. Specifically, they're more likely to consider men with more facial creases and less hair to be attractive. And as you might assume, based on this, women who were born to younger fathers are more likely to be attracted to younger men. You know, attraction comes down to more than just what a person looks like. Uh, It's easy to assume. That the, the the bottom line of attraction comes down to the sight but maybe a few brain chemicals thrown in a slightly you know certainty it's it's crucial that uh, that there's the psychology to attraction but it turns out that sound and smell also play a big role um, I remember when I was in college and we went to, I was in England and we went to France and in France the women didn't have any tops on and so we were coming to shore and all of us guys in college were like oh let's go to the beach let's go 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 so we ran to the beach and uh got flowers and all kinds of stuff and then as we got there uh we started to see uh armpit hair and smells of the women and that was not attractive and so we uh we uh We basically had to shut that one down and go get a chocolate bar and a glass of wine or some cheese and wine. So (laughs) I'm just throwing out a story there. (laughs) But, you know, it's uh, that sound and smell does play a role and and, uh, people are able to discern a number of characteristics about the potential partner, including their weight, their, their dominance level, their emotional state, you know, simply by listening to them speak. Uh, people are able to determine the same characteristics through smell. And those brain chemicals that deal with physical attraction are prompted not just by sight but by sound smell as well. Uh, different scents incite different levels of attraction. And so we know that smells play a big role in the psychology of attraction, but which smells are considered hot and which are not. And, and so there was a, a social issues research center that found that women are attracted to a, and that's and a, it's a natural uh, chemical that's found in, the, in, in uh, male sweat, basically. But while that chemical acts as a, a pheromone, the, the scent of it, which, which is produced when there's too much sweat, acts as a natural turnoff. So men, on the other hand, may be attracted to the smell of perfume, but turned off by the smell of tears. And so, you know, there's a Science Magazine article back in 2011 that found that when men sniffed tears, they felt a decrease in sexual arousal, whereas there was no change when they sniffed the, uh, the neutral saline solution. You know, th- there's another thing that opposites really do attract, and, and you've likely heard that a lot of times, but it turns out it's true. There, There's a. Um, University of Dresden did a, story, uh, a study, they found that both men and women are naturally attracted to those with a different human uh, antigen. It's HLA complex, it's called, basically a genetic blueprint uh, that, uh, than their own. And because a person's HLA complex is vital immune function, this fascinating fact suggests that the subconscious attraction has to do with the survival of the species. So how do we know? Which potential mates have genetic blueprints different than our own? According to this particular study at University of Dresden, uh, our brains are able to tell based on scent alone. Isn't that fascinating? You know, a a tone of a woman's voice naturally increases when she's flirting. And so um, there was a a Canada's uh, McMaster University did a tone of women's voice Uh, study that it it shows that their voice increases a bit when they're flirting. Even more fascinating is the fact that exactly how high a woman's voice goes varies at different times. And so her, her highest chords may occur during her most fertile time around ovulation. And fortunately, the study found that not only do men prefer the higher pitched voices, but they rated the highest pitch, the one that occurs around ovulation, as the most attractive of all. You know, the "I love you" has a more emotional effect on the brain when it's whispered in the left ear. Believe it or not, um, you know, if you're if you're trying to uh, in, uh, uh, impress a potential partner with romantic whispers, be sure to speak this into their left ear. And there's there's a study at MIT uh, Cognet that found that when emotional stimulus enters the left ear. The accuracy of recall was more than 6% higher when the same stimulant entered the right ear. So that is an interesting human fact about attraction. Also red, obviously, uh, to many, is the most attractive color. Regardless of how you feel about the color red, studies have shown that both men and women are perceived as more attractive and more sexual when they're wearing red or another color that's both bright and warm. And so, uh, here's another one. Uh, the quickest way to a person's heart is, is basically through their eyes. Uh, that may, may not be a traditional uh, ending to, to that, but there, it's, a, it's a very accurate thing. And there's a lot of um, cultures that don't agree with eye contact. They don't like eye contact because it's too personal. But uh, shared prolonged eye contact from... Uh, uh, form stronger attachments with increased affection for their staring partner, as opposed to those who are introduced with the more traditional handshake. So uh, beards, beards are also attractive, but not all beards. Um, uh, The Journal of Evolutionary Biology actually revealed that heterosexual women are naturally attracted to men with beards. But not every beard made the cut. It, it said that, that, that with men with stubble or some with a small degree of facial hair were more deemed more attractive uh, to the female participants. So males uh, considered least attractive were those who were clean shaven and those with large bushy beards. And this may suggest that women subconsciously view men with stubble as attractive, healthy, and more likely to be a good parent. Um, here's another thing. Uh, a women's cycle determines the type of man she finds attractive. And, and though a heterosexual woman may be in, in a happy committed relationship, she's likely to find a strange range of men attractive over the course of her menstrual cycle. And, and there's a whole lot of different studies that normally ovulating women are attracted to different things depending on their hormone levels do, during men, uh, menstruation. So during a woman's fertile stage, usually lasting about Oh, I don't know, three to six days, she's more likely to prefer men with deeper voices, competitive natures and other typically masculine features. Then at peak fertility, the the, the day of ovulation, a woman is most likely she'll she'll ever be seeking out a male stronger than her usual partner. So psychologists attribute this to a genetic handwriting uh, that, that drives the need to be a stronger male. So she's going to look for the stronger male during the period of uh, ovulation when we think about dating and, and relating to a partner being you know attractive and sexy it often comes to mind and the feeling of attraction is the is basically that chemistry that spark that motivates us to be with the other person and then with us but what makes someone attractive and that's the real question it, 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 as Is it the looks? Is it it their resources? Is it their behavior? Is it their intelligence? Is it something more unique and special? You know, with a little effort, we could possibly think of someone who's attractive for each of those reasons. But we could also find examples of people who are sexy for some other quality altogether. And, you know, here's an example. Uh, I find it amazing that uh, people in unhappy relationships oftentimes picked a partner that they could save or picked a partner that was more flawed than them. And the reason that they did that was so that they could make themselves feel better on a continuous basis. So that sometimes just plays that insecurity can play a role in people's attractiveness. You know, um, looking sexy, you know, physical attractiveness. We all know that looks are important for attraction, but what most people don't realize is that looks are more or less important depending on the type of relationship you want and what else you bring to the exchange with your partner. So usually short-term, more exclusive sexual relationships require the most physical attractiveness, with looks becoming uh, of lesser importance as relationships lean forward into intimacy, sharing, long-term support. But, you know, the the physical features that tend to be the most attractive to others are the ones that serve as the best indicators of health and fitness. And those features can change with our health over time. However, that also means that the most attractive features are those under our control to manage. And so, you know, things like uh, proper grooming, uh, basic physical fitness, Those things may be more important than having the perfect chest or the most symmetrical nose. Um, For those who do not have the physical uh, physique, the perfect physical physique, which there's a lot of that, uh, clothing can play a role in physical attraction too. So the right outfit can flatter and display uh, more attractive features while holding and downplaying the other features. Also, the color of what you wear can hide some of those uh, not so hot physical features. Even a pair of shoes can add attraction. But you know beyond that, clothing accessories also send a social message about your potential resources. And, and that may not be bad because people have sex for a number of reasons, but you know, putting too much emphasis on fancy clothing may leave you wondering whether a lover is cozying up to get closer to your body or your wallet. And boy almighty. The wallet is a huge motivator for sexual attractiveness. You can make ugly beautiful. You can make ugly Cinderella. You can make ugly into, you know, uh, Ken, uh, the Barbie doll. <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty amazing what people will do just, just for, re- you know, resources, the money. If they see that there and they've never had that then in their life, it's almost like uh, they'll they'll make the person attractive, uh just to be able to get to that resource, because that's a need they have. They need that financial security. You know, there's also uh, creating connections. That's another form of attraction, and uh, that's more motivating for a longer term, emotionally intimate connections. Unfortunately, relying on them alone poses some difficulties, because if you don't have the physical attractiveness, but you have the connection. That can be a, a really difficult process to get that chem- – if you don't have the connection, that chemical connection, it's really hard to uh, take this uh, creating close connections and make it attractive. But, uh, you know, just as l- you're looking just solely at looks, um, you know, uh, um, it's really just – the series of hookups and fizzling out and focusing on personality alone may result in the deep friendship connections without a sexual spark. And so it's in kind of like the friendship zone. And so people don't know how to move forward. And sometimes one person has the spark, but the other person doesn't have the spark. Uh, Nevertheless, you know, psychological attractions is still a very important influence in relationships, especially the long-term ones. Usually those kinds of attractions are uh, seen through like pleasant cheerful personality which seems to bring the best out in other people and in yourself and these uh, attractive individuals also develop a unique style perspective and and a skill to share with others that separates from from the crowd and so most of the time these traits are conveyed through verbal communication and and developing uh, psychological attractiveness Basically involves learning the skills to develop rapport with other people, and that includes having conversations that create a feeling of intimacy and connection, as well as discussing uh, the topics that uh, pique your sexual and romantic interests, and overall having something positive and unique to say, and saying it with skill and style. And you can make uh, yourself quite attractive in a psychological sense. So just be sure to follow up with something more than words. If you're, and if you like the relationship to be physical, also, you know, um, there's behavioral attractiveness, which is another element of attraction, and that's making bold moves. And and behavioral attractiveness lies. It's somewhere between, you know, like the physical and the psychological realms. This. Uh, this kind of attractiveness is what people are generally referring to when they say that they that confidence can be sexy. Sometimes people are attractive and desirable simply for the way they act and move. So so they may have just a, you know, the right body language to be both aloof and engaging. They also may make the most alluring, exciting eye contact and they may know how to smile, flirt, get noticed with their behavior. You know, that kind of body language uh, can generally be of interest to people that are available. And so what's interesting, you know, about the, that uh, confidence aspect, you know, self-confidence is not a bad thing. It's egotistical that's a bad thing. So I'm not suggesting narcissism is attractive and that you should become a narcissist to get people's attention because that's by far what you do not want to do. Okay. So, beyond the body language, touch also plays an important role in, in behavioral attractiveness. In fact, you know, touch is an essential way to communicate and influence without words. So, uh, when done the right way, touch can make someone feel more attracted to you. Uh, they can also, it, it, you know, touch can really increase your physical intimacy in which makes passionate kissing, sexual activity more likely and further touching communicates friendliness, high status on your part and making touch more likely illicit agreement and acceptance. So those are behaviors are often a way to to display confidence and high status. So uh, you know, these kind of partners may be attracted to the allure of the behaviors themselves or they may be interested in the status they think the behaviors indicate. But you know, some people may find themselves needing other traits and features to back those bold moves up. So in combination with a bit of physical attractiveness, uh, that behaviors like that can entice a lover. And combined with some psychological attractiveness, same ba- behaviors can create a lasting connection. And so, you know, it's interesting, uh, couples that lose their intimacy often do not touch. And it's very important for people to touch if they want to uh, keep their attractiveness and their intimacy to each other. And I'm not suggesting groping. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about elements and then we're going to talk about the types of attraction and uh, go on into all kinds of different depths on how people can be attracted. Come back.
0: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. should there be more to your life do you need a change Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the laws of attractiveness. And, you know... Finding your own style of attraction can be fairly complicated so you know to make yourself attractive and selecting somebody that is attractive requires a lot of trade-offs. Um, you know everybody's different um, and, and you know we have only so much opportunity to work on developing attractive traits but uh, it's, it's, it's uh, in, in various ways to ultimately get the kind of relationship we want but you know on the good side that means no one is perfect. So you don't have to be perfect, but nonetheless, we have to focus on developing the features that can help us satisfying our, our social life. So to increase your chances of getting a satisfying uh, uh, compatible partner, first focus on your strengths and preferred styles of attractiveness and do what's best most naturally comes to you. You know, after that, work on other skills and traits that might help you establish the kinds of relationships you want, but you know, you don't have to be a master at everything, but do try your best to improve areas that may impose serious limitations for socializing, like poor hygiene, you know, your personality, uh, shyness, and then go out and find a partner who will appreciate the qualities and be attracted to what you have to offer you know, it it's not a bad thing to be a shy person. That's that's not an unattractive feature, but you can't be so shy that you never meet somebody. And that's that's kind of sad, but people do that. They 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 hibernate because they're afraid of failure. You know, We looked at the physical attractiveness, you know, romantic attraction is primarily determined by your physical attractions. And and so in the early stages of dating, people are more attracted to the partners who they consider to be physically attractive. Men are also more likely to value physical attractiveness than are women. And also people's perception of their own physical attraction plays a huge role in romantic love. And so, you know, people tend to stick with the pick partners who are about their equal in level of attractedness to themselves and in proximity you know people are more likely to become friends with people who are geographically uh close uh one thing about this is the mere exposure effect you know the mere exposure effect which that's what it is m-e-r-e exposure effect refers to people's tendency to to, uh, like novel stimulus more than they encounter them repeatedly so, similarly, people also tend to pick partners who are more similar to themselves in characteristics such as age, uh, race, uh, religion, social class, personality, education, intelligence, attitude. And so, it's it's not only between romantic partners, but also between friends. And so, some re- researchers have suggested... That similarity causes attraction. Others acknowledge that people may be more likely to be have friends and partners who are similar to themselves simply because of accessibility. It's easier. You know, people are more likely to associate with people who are similar to themselves. And those people tend to take their parenting, if they get married, they tend to take their parenting role and their married role from their parents uh, because uh, they know how they were parented. And so they reflect a lot on that because now they've picked a partner that is similar to them. It's strange, though, as you get older, uh, people tend to be more attractive to the psychological uh, aspects of people rather than to the behavioral and to the the physical, uh, obviously, because we don't get any prettier as we get older. But, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, finding someone that's just like us is kind of boring uh, and thoughtless. And so, as we're younger, we find it more familiar, and so we like that, but as older, we want more challenging variety, interests, and and somebody that can bring spark to our lives, bring a different perspective that may get us out of our comfort zones. You know, uh, romantic love. There's there's all kinds of romantic love. Uh, There's like the passionate love that involves the absorption in another person with sexual desire, tenderness, intense emotion. Then there's compassionate love, empathetic love, I would call it. And, and basically that involves warmth, trust, tolerance of another person. You know, compassionate love is sometimes considered to have uh, s- uh, several components, intimacy and commitment, Intimacy is a warm, close sharing aspect of the relationship. Commitment is the intent to continue the relationship, even in the face of difficulties. And, and there's much research around the belief uh, that commitment is a good predictor of the stability of the relationship. We also have to look at attachment styles. You know, uh, there's there's uh, in a lot of studies, the influence of childhood attachment styles on on adult relationships. There's a ton of studies around that. And so they believe... A lot of them believe that as adults, people relate to their partners in the same way that they related to their caretakers in intimacy, which I believe is true. I see it all the time where people regress in their behavior in a a relationship uh, by falling back on childhood hurts and childhood memories uh, and, and trying to regurgitate that stuff and resolve it with their partner, but projecting their problems on them at the same time. Then there's... You know cultural similarities and differences. You know some cultures and roman uh, are uh, respect romantic attraction. Uh, researchers, have found, researchers have found that people in many different cultures place a real high value on mutual attraction between partners and and kindness, intelligence, emotional stability, dependability, uh, good health of partners. That can be a very important feature uh, in this day and age. It's amazing, but uh, it, you have to remember that people, their parents pick their uh, partners. And that's up to maybe 100 years ago. And in some cultures, it's still there that the parents actually pick the partners. And um, that's not cool. Um, not in this day and age. It's, uh, people are more ruggedly independent, even if they don't live in a democracy, And uh, so as we move into a global economy and as we move into a world that's more uh, well well connected, uh, it's going to be really hard for that kind of a tradition to happen because those people may not be attracted to each other. You know, people in different cultures place a different value on romantic love within a relationship. Uh, So, you know, individualistic cultures often believe that romantic love is a prerequisite for marriage and in, in uh the collectivist cultures, people often consider it acceptable for family members or third parties to arrange the marriages. So, third parties are usually more worried about evolutionary perspectives and financial perspectives. You know, uh, the the from an evolutionary psychology perspective, uh, the tendency to be attracted to physically attractive people is adaptive. Many cultures value particular aspects of physical attractiveness, such as facial symmetry, a small waist to hip ratio. Also, um, psychologists and, and from an evolutionary perspective point out that facial symmetry can be the indicator of good health, since many developmental abnormalities tend to produce facial asymmetries. And so, a small waist-to-hip ratio produces a hourglass figure and indicates a high reproductive uh, potential. And so, you know, you can predict by the parental investment theory, um, men tend to be more interested in their partner's youthfulness and physical attractiveness. So, from an evolutionary perspective… They think that this is because these characteristics indicate that women will be able to reproduce successfully. Women, on the other hand, tend to value partners' social status, their wealth, their ambition, uh, because these are characteristics of men who are successfully providing for offspring. You know, obedience is uh, compliance with commands that an authority figure gives, and uh, there was, in, back in the 60s, a social psychologist, Stanley Milgram, he did a research study called The Obedience Study, and it showed that people have a strong tendency to comply with authority figures. And so, his um, he told his uh, 40, 40 male uh, volunteer research subjects that they were participating in a study about the effects of punishment on learning, and he assigned each of the subjects to the role of a teacher. And the subject was... Uh, uh, Told that their task was to help another subject like himself learn a list of uh, a pair of words. And each time the learner made a mistake, the teacher was to give them an electric shock by flipping a switch. And the teacher was told to increase the shock level each time the learner made a mistake until a dangerous shock level was reached. And what's fascinating is throughout the course of that, the experimenter firmly commanded the teachers to follow the instructions they've been given. In reality, the learner was not. Uh, an experiment subject, but an accomplice for the researcher, Milgram, and they ne- never actually got the shock, but they pretended to be in pain when the shocks were administered. And so, you uh, uh, of the subjects would administer what they thought were dangerous shocks to the learner. However, uh, two-thirds of the teachers did administer even the highest level of shock despite believing that the learner was suffering great pain and distress. So, you know, it was believed that they acted in this way because they were pressured to do so by an authority figure. And that comes into the law of attraction. Some people find an authority figure attractive. And so they will do what they say to do because they want to have the approval of the authority figure. And, and so there's a lot of factors that, that increase obedience. Uh, commands uh, given by an authority figure rather than a volunteer experience, you know the, this from the Milgram study, the, the experience were done at a prestigious institution. The authority figure was present. The learner was in another room, and the subject did not see their objects of disobeying commands. So, you know, people justify this kind of behavior by assigning responsibility to the authority figure rather than themselves, and define the behavior that's expected as a routine. So, you know, um, groups also have a lot of features that that call for attractiveness. There's the norms that determine their appropriate behavior. There's the roles that are assigned to people that determine what behaviors and responsibilities people should take on. There's a communication structure that determines who talks to whom within the group. And then there's a power structure that determines how much authority and influence the group members have. So some people will find attractiveness just to be a part of a group that they consider to be more like them. And uh, that's called conformity. And that's a process of giving in to a real or imagined pressure from a group, and so it's it's kind of sad. But uh, that 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 sense of authority, that sense of uh, uh, conformity, and needing to be a part of a group, uh, you know, is kind of sad. There's a guy named um, um, Simon uh, Solomon Ark Ask, and he uh, recruited male uh, undergraduates and told them that he was doing research on visual perception. And so what he found was that the group size influenced whether subjects conform the bigger group, the more, uh, the more, uh, people conformed up to a certain point after the group side has reached a certain limit, conformity didn't increase. So there's a certain amount of people that have to be in a group for it to be one that people just uh, blindly follow, you know? And so that, that is a, another thing. There's also, uh, Productivity in groups, there's insufficient coordination or there's social loafing. Those are very unattractive features of a group, and a person can be outcast from a group because of those kinds of behaviors. You know, uh, um, the the diffusion of responsibility also contributes to social loafing. So a person does not feel as responsible for working on a task if several others are also present so that they, since the responsibility appears to be distributed among the people who care, the people socially loaf, and then they end up getting rejected. So we have to wonder, you know, what do we want? Who do we, you know, who we desire is driven by a lot of evolutionary forces but most of us are drawn to looks first, wh- whether we admit it. Human attraction is far more complex than, than it appears. So, you know, attraction uh, uh, can can first uh, sight or it can sneak up on us. It can be stealthy and unexpected. Other times it's disappointing no-show. We probably all wished we could fall, uh, you know, for a loyal friend or a date who sounded great online. But it can also seem that if we have no um, dominion over our romantic tastes. But humans have a lot of control and a lot of uh, violation in this realm. And so, you know, if if you, uh, we can overcome an initial unwise attraction, no matter how powerful and be drawn to a greater partner, even if it isn't lust at first sight, but we also can take steps to attract the right person to us. And so um, we have to think about the survival of the prettiest. That's one of the big ones. So there's this universal uh, standard of attraction that they're, you know, it's not skin deep, but rather fundamentally anchored in adaptive problems that men and women have to solve the mate selection. But um, the main adaptive problem for men, evolutionary speaking, is the fact that that uh, human female ovulation is largely concealed, so we don't know when they're going to hit that ovulation stage. Other female primates. Uh, signal fertility in clearly detectable ways, such as a chimp, uh, pink genital swelling. Uh, um, uh, Male human is given no such guidance. And so this dramatically changes the ground rules of mating. And uh, human males have to detect fertility from uh, physical cues that happen to correlate. And so since uh, female fertility peaks in the mid-20s and declines to zero around age 50, uh, as that's just a theory, cues uh, correlate with youth and health have evolved into a universal standard of female attractiveness. So there's a whole bunch of studies that men do tend to be drawn to women displaying markers of youth and health, like bright eyes, clear skin, full lips, uh, big butts, um, you know, nice gait, narrow waist. You know, you can see an evolutionary history of female uh, faces and bodies. Basically, at a drugstore, every, every product is designed to make a woman look as if they, they're in the fertility stage. <laughs> you see the hair coloring and, you know, the eyes standing out, the lipstick for, you know, big old luscious lips. So, you know, uh, evolutionary speaking, um, investigating what what uh, the, is called the fitness relevant trait of a, a woman's lumbar curve. Uh, there's a lot of research that hypothesizes that since uh, pregnancy shifts a woman's center of gravity forward, men would be attracted to women with a lower back curvature that would minimize the pressure on the spine, creating a uh, uh, by carrying the fetus, so reducing net fitness threats. And so, that, you know, if, if uh, in the studies they manipulate the curvature of the photos of women. And in two studies, the men's interest grew as the lower back curve moved closer to the optimum, discovering that a lever- evolutionary uh, correlates to, to, to Megan Trainor's song. <laughs> it's all about that base. <laughs> so <laughs> I pulled that off, out of, a, out of a, a magazine that I read. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, um, looking at the appeal factor... Every marker of creativity seems to play into mating. And, and so being attracted to anyone uh, creative means that person's creativity could help you and your offspring and those genes could pass on to your offspring. And, and so we're also attracted to resources, money, and, and, and to kindness. But you know what's really interesting is, uh, you know, somebody could be a farmer, and if you have a lot of kids and you want to have a lot of ground for them to play, that you may find that that kind of a person is attractive. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and see what's hot enough for you. Come back. <laughs>
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? do you struggle with what and how much to say you're not alone tune into holistic sex ed radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees we gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships expand your knowledge and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry,
1: or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the law of attractiveness. Well, you know, have you ever wondered how to be more attractive? You know, it's, it's not always the looks. You know, attractive people have uh, primal magnetism. You know, of course, we can be physically attracted to someone, but we're more often drawn to their confidence, to their passion, to their personality. You know, being attractive is is more about just just appearance. It, it Not only is attraction the basis of finding a partner, but we are also attracted to work with certain people. We're attracted to certain friendships, certain types of ideas, uh, certain coffee shops, because we like their vibe, their menu to their location. So if you want to make... Uh, people want you or if you want to be attractive, if you want to understand people, you need to learn, you know, the law of attraction. And, and, and it's basically, you know, attraction is about being available and drawing the right people, the ideas, the opportunities to you. And you have to ask yourself, what is attraction? Well, attraction is when we're interested, intrigued or feel the urge to gravitate towards something or someone. And when we feel attraction. We want to know more. We want to be around someone more. And so attraction makes us feel engaged and alive. And, and and so how can we be more attractive to others? And and that's what we have to ask ourselves. But number one, number one, you have to remember something. If you're the most attractive person in the room, you need to leave the room and go to a room where you're not as attractive as other people. Because if you want to learn how to be attractive, you need to be around people that are attractive, especially to you. If you want to be a smarter person and you're the smartest person in the room, go to the room where people are more intelligent and challenge you. Because that, once again, is going to boost your intellect. You know, people that are lazy about what they want and just kind of sit around, they don't, they leave themselves in an easy environment where They're not able to meet the right people that would spark their interest to improve their life, to improve their attractiveness, improve their intelligence, improve their their social skills. But, you know, a lot of people are boring and bored people are boring. You know, our brains are likely really, uh, our brains are like little kids. I mean, they're easily bored. They demand to be fed with, uh, you know, being hot simply isn't enough. You know, the New York Times best-selling uh, author and developmental uh, molecular biologist uh, John Medina discovered that the brain has a very short attention span and our brains are attracted to intriguing, interesting, engaging people and things. And so luckily, uh, you're, if you're a intriguing and interesting and engaging person, you're going to have a better sense of attractiveness. And, uh, you know, there's lots of people at at speaking events, at conferences, networking parties that, uh, you know, you don't meet boring people. People that go out in public and have a very strong social skills are often not boring people. You know, sometimes we act boring because we are afraid of being seen as weird or different. So we have the the, the same uh, mind numbing, boring social script of what we do, where you're from, you know, we we don't really share how we feel. We hide our quirks. We try to fit in. It, you know what though? Fitting in sucks. It's dull and unattractive. And people that try to fit in, uh, they're they're going to be socially awkward. So you don't try to fit in. You try to be who you are. You know, there's a lot of research that's shown us that there are, you know, tools we can use to fight being boring, increase our attractiveness, make us more memorable. But how do you do this? We have to learn how to become interesting. And we have like 30 seconds to make an impression, you know, don't let anybody tell you different. J- people judge you the moment you walk in a room. If we get rid of the social niceties and down to the science, attraction happens in the first 30 seconds. And that as much as we don't like to admit it, our brain decides if we're attracted to someone uh, else almost instantly. and. Uh, uh, Helen Fisher, she was an anth- she's an anthropologist at uh, Rutgers, studied hundreds of couples in love and found that the human body knows within one second whether someone's physically attractive or not. And uh, we might not realize it, but our brains make incredibly accurate, long-lasting snap judgments in the first seconds of meeting a new person. So, you know, in the non-dating world of attraction science, research shows that we get a little bit more time. To make a first impression but not much so you know the sci- scientific term for first impressions is is you know very very small and so we're looking 30 seconds at the most uh before people are have been judged and and so in their studies the the participants actually predicted which teachers would be the most successful from 30 seconds of a video just 30 seconds w- would tell them um if you could shorten the clips to 15 seconds and six, again, the students could correctly predict the most successful teachers. So you have about six seconds uh, with what you're going to do with that. And that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, what, what turns you on? Is, is it eyes? Is it humor? Is it your legs? Is it your appearance? Is it your symmetry of your face? In, in dating, it's about physical availability Will this person mate with me in friends and long-term romantic partners? It's about emotional availability. Will this person open up to me in business? It's often about the intellectual ability. Will this person work with me? So the best way to show availability and whether it's at a networking event, at a party, at a business meeting, at a date demonstrated uh, availability people, uh, uh, who want to connect, talk and start a relationship, you know, um, you know, it's obviously that uh, you're available to connect. And, and so when you're obviously available to connect, people are attracted. They are, you're going to attract different features out of different people. And so, you know, that body language, you know, open body language is more attractive in, than uh, any outfit or hairstyle or dance move. Uh, female and male body languages differ. So, you know, female body language is what you want to watch out for. You can also... Uh, use body language to show availability and increase your attractiveness. So an orp- open torso is uh, uh, body language. Research has shown that keeping your torso, chest, abdomen open to the world is the best way to show availability. Crossed arms, clutching a wine glass in front of your stomach, checking a phone in front of your chest, hugging a purse to your center are also uh, ways we close our body language and seem unavailable, you know. So there's a lot of studies that have shown that we actually close our body language when we're feeling mentally closed off. And our hands, you know, we love to see people's hands. Studies have found that when, when we can't see people's hands, we have trouble trusting them. Uh, You know, when you put your hands in your pockets, tuck them under the table or hide them behind a coat, your attractiveness decreases because people can't open up to you. So if you want to add sexuality to your attractiveness, you can also expose your neck. And this is something that Marilyn Monroe, tilting her head back and laughing, uh, created this really sexy uh, uh, persona. And so, you know, from a body language uh, perspective, an open, exposed or stroked neck Uh, is more sexual but also releases pheromones and so uh, you know to be honest with yourself how how often do you stand with your arms closed in an event you know check your phone out of a nervous habit these make you seem unapproachable and unavailable and unattractive you know on, on your next date or on your next event challenge yourself not to check your phone keep your hands out of your pockets and then cross your arms and see what happens you know how? How do you know if someone is attracted to you? And that's another strong question. You know, body language is a big thing. Uh, it's an, an essential ingredient of attraction. When we when we talk about love, dating, romance, body language plays a huge role. So you're not alone if you struggle with the basic attraction questions: Is she attracted to me? Does he like me? Why did didn't they call? You know, try to understand uh, the non. Uh, modern-day nonverbal signals of attraction. It's it's a, it's a really helpful way to look at the history of where our body language comes from, and our caveman ancestors use the same body language as we use today, and and so you know uh, potential mates uh, with our body language. This is what's attractive. I'm open. I'm harmless. I'm interested. I'm approachable, and I'm fertile, and you want your nonverbal uh, to show those signals. Availability, so. Both males and females find people with available body language the most attractive. And available body language is smiling, uncrossed arms, uncrossed legs, upward gazing, not looking down at your shoes. Also fertility from from this this, uh, evolutionary perspective, humans are tuned into body language cues that signal fertility and youth. And so likely these can be emphasized by body language and for men standing up straight Squaring the shoulders, planting feet straightly more than shoulder width apart, displaying your hands are all signs of fertility. For a woman. keeping your hair down, tilting your head, exposed uh, pheromones, and, and keeping your hands and wrists visible to display the soft skin of the wrists are highly attractive for men. The, the, these also help. These other things help. They lean in. They, t- they tilt their head as you speak. That's an sign of engagement. They smile at you. They make eye contact with you. They reach out and touch your arm, your hand, or your, your leg. And men and women also have slightly different cues. How, how, how do you know if a woman's attracted to you? Well, she exposes her neck. Uh, she tilts her chin down. She looks through her eyelashes. Uh, she, she touches her hair. And she touches her lips to call attention to their shape. These are ways that when you know that a woman may be attracted to you. Not always. Some people send strange signals, so (laughs) there's no guarantees with the human race. (laughs) You know, how do you know if a man's attracted? Well, they they claim your space by draping an arm over your chair or your shoulders. They lean into you as you speak. They, they take an opportunity to touch you. They rub their chin and, and, and your chin and their uh, your back to release those pheromones. And, and, you know, the nonverbal is also huge. Once, once our mind decides that we like someone as a potential mate, our body automatically begins to change physically to attract the person. Our cheeks flush to make us look like we're more aroused. Our lips swell to look more fertile. And even our pheromones pump to attract that person. So, we can do a few things to attract a mate uh, from a body language perspective. So, we lean in. Leaning towards someone is a nonverbal way of telling them that you're engaged. This works especially well if you're in a group of people and you're interested in one person in the group. A way to show them your interest is by leaning forward to them. I'm not saying grope on them or rub on them and do some kind of weird stuff, but you know, it, it kind of subconscious pulls them in your direction. Also, the head tilting shows interest and engagement. So that oftentimes is a subtle sign. Um, It's also good to recognize being uh, flushed or or blushed when we're attracted to someone. Blood flows to our face um, and that happens to mimic the, the, the orgasm effect where we get flushed. And so it's an evolutionary way that the body tries to attract the opposite sex. And so this is why women wear blush. This is also happens in the lips and the eyes. The redder the lips, the whiter the eyes, the more fertile and attractive someone is. And so a lot of people don't, don't realize that that actually is, is the purpose of flush and lipstick and all that crazy stuff. So, you know, there's also the power of the purse. You know, purse behavior is a form of nonverbal. You know, I was always taught uh, when I was younger, the bigger a woman's purse, uh, the more problems they have. (laughs) So I don't know if that's a good scientific uh, (laughs) analogy, (laughs) but, uh, you know, how someone interacts with their environment based on their emotions, if a person's interesting, that's an indicator. Um, If a woman is uh, feeling uncomfortable and not attracted to someone, she'll either clutch her bag uh, tightly or place it in front of her, covering her body. Um, So these are patterns that we look for. Um, These are things, and I could go into so much more stuff that are about the laws of attraction, but that's our show. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. DRGBMFT at sbcglobal.net or our webpage on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. So remember, do bisexuals experience sexual attraction once a year or every two years? Also, remember, make sure to write a card to your spouse on your anniversary looking forward to more sexless nights together. (laughs) Also, remember... Do you remember when sex was safe and motorcycles were dangerous? (laughs) Also, remember, if someone you're interested in wants sex in a dangerous moving car, make sure if they have protection. (laughs) Thanks for listening.
0: That's our show for this week.